1: Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events, entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy.
2: Dr. History.
1: Good morning, Zev.
2: How are you? Well, better than you. (laughs) Well, in many respects, that's true. (laughs) But it will get better. Yes, uh, we will provide. You will. You will. What's going on in the world of history?
1: Well, just a quick note, folks. Uh, My book is on Audible, but my daughter listening to it found that at the very end of Chapter 16, Uh the audio quit for about two pages. And it went right immediately to chapter 17. So, folks, if you bought the book on Audible through Amazon, uh, that's supposed to be fixed either today or tomorrow, and I think at that point you can get... uh a new version that will include those last, okay. those, there's only about two pages. Are you
2: going to have to do that all over?
1: Oh, no. It's, the recording people help me, and it's gone to my guy that's putting it on Amazon. So, it will be fixed. Okay. So, we're good
2: that way. It will be fixed. It will be. You know, uh, I've been watching uh, the History Channel and a lot of old Wild West stories, many of which you've had on the show. Oh, yeah. 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 You think about some of the famous people and not so
1: famous. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Leadville, Colorado. Oh, boy. That was a wild town. Yes. Now, in 1879, Leadville, Colorado was looking toward a, a really good future. During that year, they'd actually pulled in more than $11 million in metals, mostly silver really? at that time. And a year later, $15 million. Now, that was 1879. So that's that's a lot of money. But at first it boomed with gold then silver uh So they they did really well. Leadville grew from a camp town by 1880. The census listed 14,000 people living in Leadville. I didn't know it was that big. Yeah. By the time it got to the boom, it was 14,000, 15,000 people. So it soon became known as Colorado's richest and, as you just mentioned, rowdiest silver mining town. Mm -hmm. But as in all boom towns of the 1880s, the riches would not last. The depression of the 90s hit. Leadville's course became kind of a downward spiral. Suddenly, men who had plenty of money were in poverty or on their way out. They were washed up. It, it kind of runs
2: the same way as your story about Alaska gold mine.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, miners who came there expecting, you know, lots and lots of money. They faced the prospect of returning east with nothing um, now. This is kind of a cool thing. Instead of accepting the inevitable, a number of the farsighted citizens in Leadville thought the town had a new course, something else they could do. So from these impressive notions was born the idea of an ice carnival. With a special castle built of ice as its central attraction, a display that, if successful, would become an annual event. Hmm. Now, I'm going to show you a picture here, Seb, because I'm going to talk about that. Let me show. Oh my! Let me. Oh my! Me that was that made out of ice. Yeah. So I'm going to talk. Uh, what year was that? Uh, that was about 1890. 18- wow. 1880s. 1880s. Yeah. Wow. So, for many, the idea uh, showed promise, but others, especially mine owners, thought that, you know, it sounded pretty far-fetched. So, you know, everybody was skeptic. Uh, there was concern, even if it's backers, if, uh, you know, would, even if they could draw enough money, they they were pretty skeptical. So... Anyway, so the uncertainty of the mine owners was unfortunate. I mean, they controlled all the big money. You had to have them back in you or you couldn't do anything. So at the time, they were more concerned with pulling ore from the ground, which they could still make more some money than building an ice castle. Well, so credit for initiating the idea of an ice carnival was given uh, to a guy named E.W. Senior, and he was a real estate man in Leadville. Mm -hmm. So he kind of had he had a vested interest in having the town succeed. So a board of directors was formed with this senior guy in charge. So Senior and his uh, followers were disappointed, uh, efforts to get recruitment, it it was just not working. They they had to recruit people, you know, and money. Well, whatever the reason, the Carnival's board of directors saw that Sr. was not doing his job. He resigned. The next choice for leader was a guy named Tinsley S. Wood. What was his name? Tinsley (laughs) S. Wood. Okay. General manager of a mining company and a highly respected guy. That's the kind of man you want, you know, running something. So he accepted the position with one condition attached. His taking over was dependent upon an assurance that $20,000 would be raised for the project. That was his stipulation. Okay. Well, supporters kind of showed a little hesitancy at first. Mr. James J. Brown. husband of the unseekable Molly Brown? Really? James G. Brown. You know that story. Yeah, the the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. He contributed $500, and pretty soon others fell in line. And by the end of the night, $8,000 had been raised toward construction of the Ice Palace. Now, I've got other pictures here. Uh, here, okay, okay. Look, look at
2: some I have of those this pictures. This one right here, there. and it yeah. shows uh, the actual building of yeah. the ice. May I ask you a dumb question? Sure. The weather would have really wreaked havoc with this. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that. <laughs>
1: So Wood lost no time in keeping the momentum going. He asked architect Charles E. Joy, who had designed and built ice castles in St. Paul in 1894 and one in Montreal in 1896, oh to come to Leadville immediately. So he was. Getting at least somebody that knew something about building these things. Yeah. So tree stumps were dynamited to clear the way for the ice palace. When the land was cleared, crews of workmen began erecting the wooden interior structures mm-hmm. and outbuildings. The more than 260 workmen were on this project. Two hundred and
2: sixty.
1: That's why he needed like twenty thousand dollars to do this project. Now, on the surrounding lakes, the ice blocks were sawed out by hand and hauled to shore with hooks, then carried to the construction site on sleds. Pulled by four horse teams, it's estimated that over 5,000 tons of ice were used for the walls and the towers of the palace. For mortar, water was used. It froze the blocks together. I mean, that makes sense, right? Uh, Day and night shifts worked through November and December to complete the project. Uh, Supporters hoped. So they did this in two months. Yeah, they got her done. Wow. So they wanted it done and completed by Christmas. So the Ice Palace officially opened on New Year's Day, 1896. Mm -hmm. So it was moving along. Yeah. The final production was what everyone would have expected. Uh, It would be uh, one of the greatest achievements in a silver camp. I mean... You think about all the mining camps. I mean, you know, it was just mining. They they didn't do anything. I mean, they had an entertainment and saloons and one thing another, but nobody had a ice castle.
2: Uh, nobody that was sane. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so, and
1: here I'm going to describe it. Uh, under one roof could be found a 16,000 square foot ice skating rink. You're okay? kidding. Enclosed. Okay? Oh, my. Enclosed. Uh, Two ballrooms with floors made of Texas pine, so they actually had some wooden floors in there, so everything wasn't on ice. Uh, music provided by the famous, and I know you know these people because you're a, a connoisseur of music, uh-huh. the the Fort Dodge Cowboy Band. Well, sure. <laughs> I know you. You probably danced to them, Zeb.
2: Absolutely. The predecessor to <laughs> Bob Wills. The in Fort Texas Dodge thing. Cowboy Band. Yes. So a
1: restaurant and smaller food concessionaires and magnificent display displays of paintings, sculptures,
2: and other exhibits. Wait a minute. I got a question for okay, you. Okay, shoot. Who would want to go in there because it would be so doggone cold? Uh, You know, I don't know if they had little
1: fires going somewhere. Oh, that's smart.
2: (laughs) In the middle of an ice house. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, so they had curling contests.
2: I know what that is. Yeah, I
1: do too, and Sir, I
2: I don't know. It's
1: boring. <laughs> it is. So they had these contests and which makes me wonder who knew how to do it in the first place. This is amazing. Yeah. They had figure skating contests and exhibitions. But they didn't have an audience cuz it's too darn <laughs> too cold. cold. <laughs> they had dance competitions. They had ice hockey tournaments. I mean, they they had everything going to the, in this place. Well, prior to the Ice Palace's opening, the Leadville Herald, Democrat, uh, wrote the newspaper, quote, if anyone expects the carnival to be a tame affair, they are greatly mistaken. For the word carnival implies overstepping the bounds of decorum. The straight laced had better snap their strings and expand for the occasion. The carnival was anything but tame snap their strings? (laughs) That's what they said. And I'll just leave it at that. I don't know what that means. All right. So it is estimated that the Ice Palace, which was built in the Norman Castle style, covered five acres of ground, was the largest ice structure ever built in North America, much larger than the St. Paul structure, the one the guy built uh, earlier. And any of those built in Montreal between 1883 and 1896 Okay, get this, Eb. It was 450 feet long, 320 feet wide. So in today's terms, that's like one and a half times bigger than a football field. And twice as wide. Yeah. Right? So that's a, a big, big building. So the towers on the north were octagon, standing 90 feet high and 126 feet in circumference. 90 feet high? 90 feet blocks of ice stacked 90 feet. The south towers were 60 feet high, and the corner towers were 45 feet high. This was an impressive, huge structure. If this melts, there goes Leadville. (laughs) Oh, we're getting there. (laughs) At the entrance stood a 19-foot-high statue entitled Leadville. And over its outstretched arm was a scroll with raised gold figures. Uh, Anyway, so this is what... It was at the entrance. This is amazing. Yeah. So entering the massive rooms of the place cost 50 cents with additional fees for skating and dancing. You had to pay more if you wanted to skate or dance. Uh, Now, here's another thing. Built beside the palace were two toboggan slides, totaling 2,100 feet in length. You're kidding. Now, that would be fun.
2: Uh, Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little more.
1: So now here's another interesting thing. Hundreds of electric lights illuminated the structure. So they had electricity, so they had all these lights on. (laughs) This doesn't bode well. (laughs) And at night, you know, it probably was very impressive looking with all these lights running around. Until
2: somebody noticed a drip. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there. I thought so. So the
1: Leadville Herald uh, newspaper wrote, quote, People in the valleys are beginning to realize that Leadville is something more than a rude mining camp. With this construction,
2: sorry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I should tell you what happened. The flies came in the house the last couple of days with the construction people here, and uh, Dr. History almost swallowed three of them. I <laughs> just, sorry about he that. He spit on me. I blew. <laughs> so, anyway,
1: with this construction, Leadville let the world know it was alive and well, but as you have indicated, for how long? <laughs> For how long? The greatest miscalculation in the planning of the Ice Palace. Oh, let me, let me show you these before
2: I go on. Okay, here's, yeah. Here's
1: some of the sculptures. Okay, I'm going to okay. show oh, you those. Oh my, oh, my goodness. Now, <laughs> those those are, are
2: tremendous.
1: Yeah, and sculpting those out of ice blocks. Yeah. Uh, a miner with his ice pick. And, oh, my. So, yeah. So, anyway, the greatest miscalculation in the planning of the Ice Palace and Carnival was the weather. Temperatures at that altitude usually remained well below freezing and to April, or more, but within 10 weeks of the palace's opening, winter in the Rockies went on vacation. oh The temperatures rose, and the ice palace began to melt.
2: oh On March
1: 28th, it was, now this started, like I said, January 1st. So January, February the end of march so about three months it was officially closed bringing a sudden end to a monumental effort at reju- rejuvenating
2: leadville i'm really impressed with this i mean i wish the people at home could see the sculpting yeah. of the miner and everything else but uh with all that ice yeah where'd all the water go
1: uh just melt it away <laughs> Can you imagine? So with the palace now nothing more than a pile of watery slush, the great effort at a new vitality for Leadville had literally melted away. To compound the disappointment, the ice carnival was a financial failure. Oh, boy. Although the complete business records of the Crystal Carnival Association were never published and have never been found, it is known that only 15,000 of the 20,000 originally promised to Wood had been raised, so he didn't get all the money wanted. But unfortunately, well over 20,000 had been spent. So where the money to make up the difference came from, no one really knows. It was not from the receipts of the carnival. Uh, for they, they barely paid for the day-to-day expenses of the ice well, carnival. I can't imagine. So... Uh, at the time, a lot of Leadvilleites cited the lack of patronage from other Colorado towns as the cause of the carnival's financial problems. Not only did Leadville not receive the expected number of visitors, but those who did come did not spend much money. More often than not, they arrived on the morning train with a sack lunch, paid their fifty cents admission to view the palace and exhibits, then just went home on the evening train. Oh So my. they
2: didn't. Support the restaurant or the concessions. So and I suppose they just had nothing in the restaurant, but cold, cold sandwiches. sandwiches.
1: (laughs) They weren't cooking burgers, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think. So the Ice Palace was an impressive effort to bring renewed energy and strength to a town in the midst of decline. It did just that for a few months. And it was kind of the last grasp at notoriety and survival. Uh, For several more years, the town limped along. The Silver Riches dwindled to nothing. People moved away to Denver, Cripple Creek, and other places that still had promise. And the Ice Palace and Leadville slipped into the past.
2: So they didn't try it again. No. So here's another picture. Oh, my. Let me show you that one. Oh. Oh, that thing was huge. It was. 90 feet tall.
1: Yeah. and Wow. Yeah. And like I say, covering what a couple of football fields. And I, I just think all the workers, what did I tell you? 260 workers. Yeah. And the sculptors. I mean, they must have had some. Pretty good guys. That Can you,
2: you imagine though, here you're, you get it finished, and all of a sudden you hear a local prognosticator of the weather saying, <laughs> we're going into a very unusual warm pattern. Yeah. <laughs> So, instead of ice skates, bring your boots. Oh, my God. You know, really, for the time and effort, it's a beautiful thing. It is.
1: I would love to see. You know, up at McCall, every year, they yeah. have the ice sculpture contest. Have you ever seen any of those? I have. I mean, I have. you know, they get these that are, what? Fifteen twenty oh, yeah. feet high. And yeah. they make all kinds of sculptures up there. Yeah. That's pretty
2: amazing. Well, yeah, but to think of the labor costs and the machinery costs and all the volunteer and paid labor for this. And it only how many weeks did it last total? About three months is all. It did. And then rest. it was adios amigo. Yeah.
1: But, you know, you look at those big, huge ice blocks. How did they raise those up to get them stacked, you know, 90 feet high? I don't yeah, know. I mean, that's it's uh, like
2: building the pyramids.
1: Yeah, I mean, how did you get those up there? How do you you, know, they must have scaffolding or oh, something yeah. like that to,
2: to raise those. That was a cold job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I you know, of all the history stories that you've made, that fascinates me because I'd never heard of that before. Yeah, I, I thought it was fascinating too. And, yeah, you know, but you
1: know, the ingenuity of the people to say, hey, we're going to do something to raise money, and yep. uh, you know. Unseekable Molly Brown's husband was involved, and I'm guessing he may have lost
2: money on that A little bit.
0: This is the story of The
2: One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K N I X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak proof underwear brand in North America.